Welcome to another episode of Pointcast Recap, a part of Pointcast News, where we talk to voters about issues that most concern them, and of course, we encourage legislators to both listen and act. Recap is brought to you in part by Elgag Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To catch up on earlier Pointcast episodes, feel free to check out our website at pointcast.news or visit Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook to be aware when more podcasts come out. Guys, so yeah. we've done a lot of talking about current events, right? But one thing that I think we haven't done both on this show and in general on on the you know the pointcast spectrum is talk about the future. A, a couple people, you know, in in some of the interviews that we've had here, and you know, some of the other things that we've done, have had ideas as to what's happening, and I think that would be very beneficial, especially in a very turbulent time that we're in right now. I think that. Especially, you know, given some of the the thoughts and feelings that we have, I think there's a lot that can be mined from some of our thoughts on the future. So I have a couple of things I want to talk to you guys about. For those of you who don't know, normally uh, Anthony and Alex accompany me on the uh, PointCast recap show because we have a lot of opinions. (laughs) And uh, the best part about it is they're not always the same. So um, the first big thing that I want to get out of the way is the race. Obviously, it's in full swing. Yeah, we 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 kind of have an idea of who's front running and how we think some of those things are going to shake out. But ultimately, how do you think it's going to end? Who do you think is going to win? So the primary. So we're talking about primaries, right? Well, we're we're going to stop first okay. about the primaries okay. and then about the presidential after. Um, I I mean I think this is the. I'm gonna give a really boring answer, <laughs> but my boring answer would be like if you had asked me this after Tuesday, um. Because I think Michigan is going to give us a real, a much clearer picture. It, you know, Bernie won Michigan four years ago. It was a up, it was an upset, big surprise, but he did it. You know, the he pulled out Michigan, and that sort of really propelled him into the next stage of like, okay, he's in this thing till the end. If he pulls out Michigan again, then I think we're we're going to be in that same place. If the reverse is true, and if Biden pulls out Michigan, then you kind start of... looking ahead, and you go like. The polling in Florida is really not good for Bernie. He's been down there. Maybe it changes. Then we have a, all the other, we have a bunch of other Southern states, you know, where Biden has performed very strong. We have the Michigan, or not, we have the Mississippi, we have Louisiana, we have Georgia. We have all these other big states where if you look at past performance, you would assume Biden would be very strong there. You have Illinois, which the Barack tie figures to be hard for Bernie to overcome for like totally understandable reasons. Yeah. It just, it's Barack's home turf. It figures to be tough sledding for Bernie and Illinois. Yeah. And then after that, you the only big grab for Bernie after that would be probably New York, right? Oh, yeah. I think so, so if he loses Michigan and Florida polling holds and then he, he loses all the states in the South and then he loses Illinois, it, it, it's over, right? I mean, yeah, just, effectively. It's yeah. effectively over. So my boring answer would be ask me after Michigan. <laughs> ask me to put it on like what do I think right now? I think Biden pulls out Michigan. He got the endorsement from from the governor. Um, he's got the endorsement from the person who replaced Conyers up there, which which Conyers is such a long term figurehead. It, it, yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big endorsement for him. Um, his performance with sort of the working class has probably been a little better than Hillary's for a variety of reasons. 
there are obviously a, a lot of minority voters in places like Flint, Detroit. Obviously, yeah. you know that figures to be a big boon to him. I think I think it's close, but I I think he pulls it out. All right, I'll, I'll just be contrarian. <laughs> and, uh, you know, say uh, believe with my heart of hearts what I have to believe, and so I say. So Bernie can win this. Yeah. Um, it's contingent upon um, a couple of uh, key things. One is um, uh, not to suppose, uh, not to imply that any of these demographics are uh, monoliths because they're they're not. They're made of individual people. But um, he's really struggling with the black vote. Um, so he really, I don't know. I need to stress that you are on the front lines with MLK. <laughs> um, maybe as a as a as a starting point. Um, he's struggling really badly with elderly people and maybe talking about um Biden's uh track record on um social security uh that that might um play a role and um he's really good with the youth and if the young people can show up and vote then um <laughs> uh, then say then none of then none of this polling matters literally none of this polling matters if young people just show up and vote college students if you just Go vote. You win whatever you want because because we, no one yeah. assumes that you're going to. That's fair. I'm I'm over here basically having a, a an aneurysm. So I know the <laughs> age group of everybody in this room, and um, just as a general message, regardless if you're voting for Biden, Sanders, writing in Warren, I don't care. If you are of a of of our age group, which is like the thirty five and under cohort, please vote. Literally, <laughs> I mean, literally, we say a lot of stuff on all these podcasts. The most important thing you can do is vote. That that is the that is the and, one thing yes, that you can do yes. to make your voice heard and I in know, this nation is to literally put your voice out there. You're a transient population. You move around a lot. I know it can be difficult so, for young people to vote. Registration can be a pain in the butt. You got to do it three times in three cities in six years. I understand. So, it's a pain in the butt. There are things we should do to make it easier for you. But you got to vote. So not really, say, <laughs> please going vote. to college in not your home state yeah. and having to vote in your yeah. home state and pay attention to yep. where that election is. Yep. It's, I understand it. We all it's understand a lot. it. Yeah, it's a lot. But you got to vote. <laughs> and, and, At the end of the day, I think that's where you're really, like, really what it yep. comes down to. You just have to be present. Yes. And this is one of the things that I wanted to talk about because ultimately, you know, regardless of who wins... Uh-huh the the primaries here on the dem side we know that they're going to have to go up against trump yep and in my mind the main reason why we didn't win 4 years ago is that because of the fact that hillary was so unpopular and obviously trump was trump um a lot of people i know very 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 close to me a lot of people literally just didn't vote yep. like there's a bunch of people who either had joke votes they didn't vote or some of them unbeknownst to me even voted for trump in in like retaliation or whatever yeah and like i'm not even gonna say that those thoughts and feelings aren't valid but it's very clear that when we have a candidate it's it's important for the party because we know the republicans do this yep. it's important that as a party we support that candidate yeah, and as of right now, we we have two major front runners yeah. for the Democratic Party. Obviously, we have uh, Sanders and Biden. Do you feel like with either of them, regardless of who wins, do you feel like the party will actually 
show up to support them in this presidential election? Um, no, I don't. But my my reasons have nothing to do with the divide in the party itself. I think the most predictable thing that's going to happen this fall is we are going to see a largely manufactured campaign against a Democrat candidate, which will drive their poll numbers into the into the absolute tank. One of the reasons Hillary was so unpopular was because Republicans spent a lot of years talking about Benghazi and Fair. emails. Mm-hmm. But people forget that the headline issue of last time was emails. emails. An email server. Dear God, we talked, the New York Times talked about an email server more than literally everything else. So no matter who the Democrat candidate is, what they're going to get is a manufactured controversy. Now with Biden, we've already seen it. It's 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 the Hunter Biden. That's it's, it's actually happening. It's happening right, right now. now. As we talk, they are manufacturing <laughs> the campaign against Biden. That you know, is like, fair. Devin Nunes is cooking that up like Walter White on Breaking Bad <laughs> right now. He is in the meth lab cooking up a helping steaming dose of of bullshit. Or I say of bite of Burisma. <laughs> yes. And Hunter Biden. Yes. And I and I and I've said I've talked to a bunch of people online. It's been like even. If it's nothing, even if it's nothing, just like the emails were nothing. Yeah. The optics are yeah. bad. Yeah. They're bad. And I think that fate awaits. I don't know what it'll be with Bernie, but I know it'll be something. I mean, actually, I think we've, I think, oh. I think between the Democratic establishment and, uh, yeah. say, and the Republican establishment, we've seen everything. Yeah. The the biggest thing that everybody keeps, say, the biggest um, things that I keep getting are the socialist label yep. and I say and the pre say in the praise for um uh, Latin America yep. Latin American dictators yep. and despite you know them being the, now to be fair to the um RNC at least they're consistent they pilloried Obama yeah. on it and they're gonna pillory yeah. Bernie on it and it doesn't matter yeah. unlike the DNC which um yep even Biden says, "Ah, my my good friend, um, oh. Barack Barack Obama did did not say that." And he's like, "No, he he did, Joe." Oh yeah, we could we it's on film. No, I we mean, can check that now. Uh, and so to answer your question about the about do I think different? No, because I think it worked with Hillary. I think Benghazi and emails was an effective strategy for for driving her poll numbers much lower than they were, literally like before she started running. Actually. She heard she was popular and yeah. she started running and she was really unpopular. I, I think you're gonna see the same thing. And I think it'll I think it'll work. I think there will be a segment of voters who will be depressed and it will um actually convince them to either not vote again or do protest votes. I, I, I and think so it's the most predictable the, thing. Then do you I, think oh go ahead. So I'm gonna I'm gonna again I'm gonna be contrarian yeah. and believe what <laughs> I have to believe. We love and your hope. Say, and say and the thing that I'm overwhelmed, the thing that I most overwhelmingly see is blue no matter who. Yeah. And on principle, I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I'm like, but it's against Trump. Yeah. It's the fate of democracy. Yeah. Literally, the fate of American democracy hinges upon this election. And so, you know, yeah, blue no matter who, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters <laughs> until we get him out of office. <laughs> but until we, we we can we can have a the Democratic yeah. Party can have a civil war literally <laughs> the day January sixteenth of twenty twenty one. That's fine. That's fine. Just pause. But it, it pause. is you <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I guess then that that kind of that kind of 
I, I believe answers my question, but I still want to ask it because yeah. I think there's benefit in doing so. Um, do you then, Al, or Alex, <laughs> do you then, Anthony, think that we're going to have, if, if you do think that the, the, yeah. the campaign against whoever the Democratic candidate will, yeah. will work, yeah. um, do you then think that we'll have a repeat of 2016? Uh, like we're, we're gonna, we're gonna answer, have. I still think the answer. Despite my answer with the last question, I think the answer on this one is I think the Democrats will win, and that's because they did all that against Hillary, and he threaded a needle that was about as small as you could possibly have hoped to thread. That's the, the, actually the really fair. Down to like two hundred thousand votes in three states, like what? Way less than that, right? Yeah. What Democrats <laughs> would need to win is basically very little, very little. And I, and I think that, like, we saw this roll out in 2018. The the dislike of Trump is so strong that I think it'll give them what they need to take back the White House. I, but I think the campaign to depress Democrats will work well enough to prevent them from, like, taking the Senate, for instance. Okay. Um, we'll see. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. <sighs> I'll say I hope, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's a way, but, yeah. So despite all that, I, I, think, I think a Democrat will. So another thing I want to go ahead and touch on. Well, actually, Alex, I didn't actually yeah. give you the chance oh, to answer yeah, the question, yeah, yeah. but I feel like I kind of already know your answer. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, let's yeah. ask it. So, so based on how you feel and the, the nature of uh, the blue, no matter who, which is the same thing that I'm 100% subscribing to. Um, <laughs> how, how do you think this 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 current presidential election, regardless of who who our frontrunner is, how do you think this election will go? Do do you believe? This will be a repeat of 2016. I do not. Um, I I just I think the blue. I say I think that um, the Democratic base is so galvanized against Trump, and I think the other there are other uh, factions who say maybe aren't reliably Democrat who are like, oh hell no. <laughs> yes, there's no Jill Stein and Gary Johnson probably right. Not this time around. Probably not. I hope not. The, uh, yeah, the, not yeah. so much Gary, but the, I think Gary can <laughs> Gary can show up. Gary's cool. Gary can Jill, show up. He can nah. he can take votes from Trump all day, and that's fine by me. Because that's home. less votes for Trump or yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Jill can stay all the way home. <laughs> <laughs> but now, uh, before we before we move on, because there there's one other really big topic that's going on that I really want to get to uh, that we can go ahead and discuss the future about. But first, um, a lot of a lot of these topics that we've been discussing, especially regarding the election, have all boiled down to the the divide in the party. Yeah. And I, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, the, the progressive Democrats and the moderate Democrats. So that, yeah. that's really what it always ends up boiling down to. Do you believe right now that there is a way to bring those together? Or is that just going to be like a fixture of the party until we either abolish parties or adjust the system? Is there a way to fix that for future elections? Because I feel like that's the reason that almost in and of itself is the reason why 2016 happened to begin with. Yeah. So, uh, no, I don't think you can rebridge. Um, I know I personally, I, I for years it's been, I think, I, I know I've been saying, I imagine, and I'm not like some expert prognosticator, mm -hmm. it's been obvious to like lots of people, that the Democrat Party was heading for a, a split similar to the Tea Party split that there were two wings of the party that just had very different ideas about what government should do, mm. what the party should stand for, and that eventually they were going to come to a head and that you, that's it. The, the tent is too big 
in a country of 300 million people two parties can't and the democrat party republicans don't have this problem nearly as bad and even they split but because their base is much narrower largely a party of white men even they couldn't avoid it but look at the democrat party you have everything from people who believe that like actual socialism is good all the way to like joe biden <laughs> and the the gap between them is so wide that it's not actually understood how they even exist in the same party in the first place that's a really good point i mean there's people who think we should have moderate immigration reform and we should go for like the the big deal like the gang of eight style and there's people who think we should abolish ice and have open borders and how do they exist together well because the the answer is out of necessity right because um yeah you're right you're probably say the republican um i don't even want to say the republican let's just say the right yeah um because the right is made up of um yep. there are several extreme groups on the right who similarly have very dramatically different views on how things function and how things should work and who is most notably who is to blame for it yep. all but they say but they're unified on one core thing and that is that they hate the left more yeah fair and yeah. so we can put all of our differences aside because not because anything we do is better than what they come up with and we don't the left really doesn't have that much of a, that galvanizing force sans maybe Trump right right <laughs> Trump might, yeah. be, uh, might actually, be the sole galvanizing right. just be like no like we can debate immigration later yeah we just need to get right. him no. <laughs> right and, and, and I mean we don't want to deliver a playbook to them but like if the Republican was Marco Rubio the Democrats would crack in half like a that like they would because they would go Marco's maybe not so bad, right? We can have our fight right now. We can probably deal with Marco. <laughs> like, <laughs> Trump, like you said, though, Trump might be the only thing saying we can fight later. But if it was like a Jeb, like if it was Jeb Bush, he'd be like, eh, he speaks Spanish. He's unobjectionable. He's fine. He loves Wall Street, but like he's, he's fine. And, and they would fight right now. But maybe they put it off for like one year. <laughs> maybe maybe for one year. I don't know. okay yeah okay that's a that, that's one thing that i've i've always wanted you guys' opinion on because yeah. like whenever i talk with people it's mostly like people who lean one way and people who lean the other way they're they're still obviously democrats yeah because i i'm i can't say that i'm legitimately friends with anybody who at this point is either a trump supporter or is still that far on the yeah. right but regardless um, that that's that's a different point entirely. My wife is a Republican. I said Not that a Trump far. Supporter. I said that far. Okay, all right. That far. Okay. Okay. I'm friends with Republicans. Republicans okay. are fine. I'm fine with Republicans. I'm not fine with Trump and his base. Yeah. And the other people that generally tend to support him regardless. Okay. That yeah. that's what I disagree with yeah. wholeheartedly. Okay. I got you. I get you. I, I'm not gonna I'm my feelings about Trump will always be clear. I do we're not getting into that right now. Yeah. That, that, that's that's a different conversation. Yep. Yes. But there is one more thing on the forecast today yeah. that I really want to talk about. And I know it's been talked about to death. Well, the not economy. yet. Well, not yet. <laughs> but that's part of it. But ultimately, um, I feel like there's a lot of things that aren't being talked about when it comes to Corona. Yeah. Like one of the things 
that has been talked about is obviously where it came from. Yep. That's the thing that basically everybody knows yeah. now. And that's actually part of the problem, I think, because when we hear that something like this comes from a place like China, yep. people in America, as great people as we are, just start to hate. Yeah. We just hate. That's one yeah. thing we do incredibly well. Yeah. Most of us in this building being black know that. Yeah. Alex knows that too by extension. <laughs> yes. But like ultimately I think that the biggest problem that we have with Corona that we're not talking about is how this is affecting how everybody views yep. Asian people. Yep. And that bothers me because and and I'm not I'm I don't want to liken these two things because I know that they're they're bad for very different reasons. But we saw this a lot Right after 9-11, everybody hated everyone who looked Middle Eastern, yep. even if they weren't actually Middle Eastern. Yeah. It's stupid. Like, yeah. I know a bunch of people who are hating on Japanese people right now, and I'm like, they have nothing to do with this. What's wrong with you? And and I think, like, I would be, I would be fine if it was just an epidemic. I, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be fine because, you know, <laughs> epidemic is still really We're bad. Pro epidemic. <laughs> we are pro epidemic it, here on this it, podcast. It would be. Shut up. It would be a different problem if it was just an epidemic. But I feel like these things always come with like a label of hate. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah. Man, do I have some bad news for you. <laughs> like, this is, this is, this is a basic human psychology. Like, you are. You are fighting, as someone who fights uphill battles, you are fighting an uphill battle. Bro. I mean, yeah. Bro, when I had this complexion, that's literally my whole life. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you're absolutely right, though, man. Um, that's a completely predictable side effect. And it, watching people just assume anyone who looks remotely Asian is automatically Chinese, one is just like, all kinds no. of crazy. Like, there's Asian is not just China for starters. It's you're like all, when you, you're already racist. Yeah, it's like when you assume all black people come from the same part of Africa. Right. Like, what? Right. What do you mean? Right. You know, Asia encompasses a lot of countries, right, guys? Yeah, right? Don't like, mistake all people who look a certain way. Like, you're from China. Nope, nope, nope. Even then, like, there's a lot of difference among Chinese people. Yeah, even like any other like, place. this is this is crazy to me that that so much so much is being thrown here. But like an, another facet of this that we still aren't discussing yeah. is that like no one is dealing with it well. Nope. And I think I think part of that can be attributed to the Chinese government because it it's always going to yeah. be. Yeah. But like I don't feel like we're properly equipped to deal with this. Here in America, and you were actually hitting on this a little earlier, yeah. that like healthcare, especially here in America, is like a for-profit industry. Yep. So like a lot of things are put in place to make the most money, not necessarily yep. to save the most lives. Yes. So then when we deal with a problem that's putting a bunch of people in the hospital yep. that possibly can't afford to be in the hospital, Correct. what is that doing to healthcare? Correct. Uh, yes. I mean... Thank you for yeah. making the case for universal health. No, no, no. <laughs> this is true. So I say, so th this is really going, I, I really hope, okay. I really hope that this whole thing gives people an opportunity to realize that we are only as safe as our most vulnerable population. Yes. Um, Correct. So the, uh, I don't, so the reason the vaccines work 
I'm gonna. You're gonna school us in the science. Yeah, go for I, it. Go I, for I, it. Really need. Okay. So there's this process called the herd immunity. Yep. And that is the. Um, so if you have very, if you have people who are uh, infected with the uh, with the disease, then that disease is multiplying inside of them. They're acting right. like a, they're acting like a petri dish. Yeah. And um, with those multiplications, means there's opportunities for it to, uh, for it to grow and change and mutate. And then as it spreads to more people, that's more opportunities, right? And so if you, uh, the idea of the, like, of a vaccine is not to make every person immune to it. Like, that's an ideal scenario. But, but mostly, the idea is to inoculate most people against it so that even if they do get it, it's not going to run rampant in the same way that it, say that it would if you, um, had no like weren't vaccinated at right. all and so like we saw with the diseases in the past and right, killing yeah. halves of populations yeah. yep. and things like that right so if you have an instance like the coronavirus um where it's going to be where it's rapidly transmissible and lots of people are going even if just one segment of the population gets it right suppose that you just the poorest segment gets uh get, ends up getting the disease but then they have to go to work because they can't afford not to go to work yep. because um, then they don't gain, like they can't keep their house. Right. Right. So, um, and then they can't go to the hospital because they can't afford it and they can't take time off of work. And those two things in conjunction means that they just become breeding pools for it. Yep. And that gives it all of the opportunities to grow, to gain antibiotic resistance or whatever yep. uh, antibiotic, bad example, antiviral um, resistance, or just to mutate to a um, like the flu, where your um, the vaccine can't protect against it, and then everybody gets it. Yeah. And then what do you do? Yes. And, and I. <laughs> Something I've been thinking about with, with coronavirus, and this is something I've seen in the media. I've seen this narrative out there a bunch, and I, I want us to have a chance to sort of push back at it. There's a hope that, you know, if one of these miracle drugs doesn't come through, that like warm weather will come and it'll make everything better. So it is true. Some diseases, like the Spanish flu, they don't go away, but they become you know you just see lots less of it in the, warm weather things are less transmissible they don't they don't live as this long. is not yeah. true with all diseases like tropical ones <laughs> look at iran iran is not a cold place and they are having a massive problem there, there's actually no evidence that like it'll warm up and this thing will go away it maybe it will but maybe it won't and so instead of hoping for a miracle that a miracle cure or that warm weather will make it go away because to educate our listeners here the other story of the spanish flu is that yes it went away when it got warm and then it got way worse when it then when it got cold again it came back and the end of 1918 and 1919 were way worse than the spring of 1918. it came back with a vengeance and people were so unprepared that it killed way more people that second time around so like don't hope for warm weather to save us here. Pressure your government officials to do something preferably proactive because this goes along with what Alex was saying. The problem with not being proactive, and this is what we're seeing from our government right now, is 
and it ties into what you were also mentioning, Josh. Because we don't have uh, a safety net built into our healthcare system, because hospitals are running with limited numbers of bed, because we don't want to waste space, because you want space to be making money. And if you have 50% more beds than you need, that's wasted space. This is what we talk about. We talk about the capitalism in the hospitals. Right. And then to what you were mentioning, Alex, which is the idea that it could grow rapidly and spread fast. The problem you run into when you're not proactive is a big spike in cases all at once that overwhelms the capacity of your hospitals. The reason you want to be proactive before you have an outbreak is you want to spread the cases out over an extended period of time. A thousand cases over three months is a far different thing for your healthcare system than a thousand cases in two weeks. Maybe your hospitals can handle it over three months, but if they can't, they can't handle it over two weeks. You'll overrun your beds and that's when you get the rapid spread because now people can't go to the hospital because there's no beds and they're out in the general population and they're spreading it and spreading it and spreading it. And that's actually how pandemics work. There's a big spike that overwhelms the system because it doesn't have enough beds and it's spread easily and it overwhelms everything. So you want to be proactive in terms of maybe you should close schools before the outbreak comes. It seems bizarre because that's what we don't have a problem. And that's when you should close the school. It's when you don't have a problem. If you wait yep. till you have a problem, it's actually too late. <laughs> yeah, because at that point, everybody's infected. Or yes. everyone's at yes. the very least come in contact with someone who's yes. infected. And then... Too late at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Full of cheer. So, <laughs> well, I mean, this, is, this isn't a, this isn't a serious it's situation. it's only March. It's only March. Yeah. It is only March. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of the last things I want to touch on while we still have a couple minutes here yeah. left in the episode... Um, what, what are the societal implications if this is not contained, which I feel like is going to happen? Uh, quite pot. So quite possibly the, um, the decimation of a, of a entire generation. Yeah. That we know that this is most lethal in um say in uh, a couple of groups um pregnant women uh the like um elderly and uh people with um uh, people with compromised immune systems um well we have a bunch of elderly in like in civilized nations because we have like we have more resources and people and people tend to live longer and um if this isn't contained um, only the wealthiest of the elderly are going to be well taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's an immediate impact. Um, with what we've seen of the stock market the last week and a half, I think we could probably accurately forecast what, what would happen if it's uncontained, which is that you continue to see the stock market sort of... Uh, continue to just go down and down and down. You know, you look at a place like Seattle, like the home of, of like Microsoft and Amazon. So theoretically, what if Seattle had to go on an extended quarantine where Amazon closed? Uh, what do you think the stock market would do if Amazon's headquarters had to actually close? It would, what do we think is gonna, like maybe looking, forget forecasting months ahead, what do you think might happen tomorrow? So Italy just shut down its economic breadbasket for a month. I imagine the stock market's not gonna feel super great about that being a trend. Germany's had a big outbreak. What happens mm -hmm. if a bunch of car places like BMW or whoever is in manufacturing in Germany 
What if they decide we can't go to work for a month? I don't, you know, I'm assuming most of our voters have, most of the people listening to this are probably of, uh, old enough that they remember the economic collapse that preceded Obama. But um, I was looking for a job right out of college when the economic collapse had happened. I remember spending like six months applying for jobs 40 hours a week and getting like five calls back. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. An economic collapse, that's what it looks like, right? If the market falls and the economy collapses, you're looking at a mass rise in unemployment. You're looking at, I mean, the economic in, the impact would be South by Southwest closed. That's a huge deal. That's millions of dollars of lost revenue for Austin, for instance. Um, along with whoever else was there, like vendors, restaurants, all sorts of lost economic activity. My brother, who's a musician, he's had multiple gigs canceled already. He knows people who like, just had to cancel gigs. Uh, yeah. So there are a bunch of uh, academic uh, conferences that are just that are just getting canceled. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, so the it's not it's not E three. It was the um, uh, Game Developers Expo. Yep. B, yeah. GD. Yep. They, yep. they just they didn't cancel it, but they postponed yeah. because Epic and Microsoft yeah. and Sony and Nintendo and everyone just said, up. "Yeah, we're up. we're not showing yeah. up." I mean, we're all gamers in this room. Yeah. So uh, if this thing's not contained by E3, I mean, E3 is closing. Yeah. Very obviously, it's just not happening. Yeah. That's. A I, lot I of feel like that's that's the smart decision. Yeah. The political conventions that happen in what is it June? Yeah, if those are if it's not contained by then, those do those close? Uh, the conventions just not. I, I would hope so. So would I. <laughs> um, I know the NBA sent out the thing recently saying um, if it's not contained, teams should prepare to just play in empty stadiums. <laughs> That's. I uh, mean, those are I mean, real uh, possible consequences. Really? And yeah. here, so, okay, and once again, so here's here's the thing. Like as much as I appreciate um, people trying to um, be proactive, the most dangerous thing is the hysteria right. and the fear. Right. Yeah. Um. It is. Let's say. Uh. Is this you know skepticism that we're going to approach um, apocalyptic apocalyptic scenarios where you can't get bread at the supermarket? Like let's. It's highly unrealistic. Let's all take a breath yep. and yeah, like yes, there are businesses that are like that are taking um let's say they're trying to be cautious yeah. and perhaps overly cautious. Yep. And the important thing is not to panic right. until it's time to panic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that that's um this is this has been so i think this is something that we should revisit yeah i think that there there are benefits to trying to look past what the current events are and and seeing not just for an entertainment perspective but in a general sense how some of these things really will pan out because america is going to be a very different place america is a very different place like within a five, 10 year span in general. Yep. Like it's just, that's just been a consistent thing that we've seen since really even the sixties, like just looking back from the sixties to the seventies to the eighties to our time. Yep. Like it's, it's been a very different nation within each of those decades moving into, you know, America was very different in the two thousands than it is now. And I think that 
like trying to look past the current events and 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 really digging into where these things might lead us might have some real benefit. Yeah. So I, I think as, as some of these political things unfold, it would be even in my mind more prudent to see, especially after the current year's election, yeah. regardless of how it falls. Yeah. I, I think looking at the future of America then, especially because at that point we'll we'll see where Corona has landed and how we deal with it yep. and lots of other things that nature did. I think there's benefit to this. So I, I absolutely believe we should revisit it, but thank you guys again for joining me here. It's always a great time yeah. <laughs> with you in the office. We always have a lot to talk about. Um, again, thank you all at home uh, for listening to this. And I, you know, if you want to be a part of it, if you want to, you know, get interviewed by me or Francine, definitely hit us up. We, we always want to hear what you guys are thinking because you know that's what we pride ourselves on. We're, we're the podcast who listens to voters, so come give us your opinion. But like I said, like I've said before, and like I will say at the beginning and end of every single one of these, check us out on the the website, guys. It's the best place to check out all podcast related things. We're also on Apple Podcasts. Um, again, not like and subscribe this time, but like and follow us on Facebook. Um, that's a that's a great place to know. Especially we we post a lot of thought provoking things there uh, that are both fact checked and interesting reads in my opinion so definitely check those out engage with them uh anthony and and alex have been very active (laughs) on several of the recent things posted um on on the the pointcast website so trust me there's conversation to be had there as well but again uh this has been josh this is the recap the forecast episode and uh yeah we're done gail head us out